Welcome once again to Cinemaholics, major motion podcast. And, uh, you know, we, we talk about the biggest and the best films coming to theaters and streaming online, you know, and, and sometimes they're not the best films. Sometimes they're not even the biggest. Sometimes they just are about Halloween. And so from the San Francisco Bay Area, I'm John Negroni, film editor for theyoungfolks.com. And he's from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He is a, a features editor at Collider. I think that's what he said last week when I wasn't here, even though I always say something Did different. I say it's Did I say features something. editor? I don't know. You, I, you I was said, nervous. Yeah. I, I might have made a whoopsie. Uh, what are you? Who I don't are know what you? I am. I don't even know who I am anymore. Uh, not unlike some characters in this year movie. Uh, except for sure. the murders part. Um, mm-hmm. Well, okay. So, a couple things. Uh, for one, uh, this is a pretty big film. I don't know why you're acting like this is some is minor film. Halloween ends? Isn't this like, like people, making... People stopped caring, didn't they? I don't know. I, I mean, did. I that did. last one made like $50 million opening weekend, even though it this was one made a 40. day-to-date. It's pretty big. I mean, that's probably bigger than most movies we've talked about since uh, probably the summer. I guess so. I just don't understand. Like, I, th- I feel like we got it. Sure. Like, oh, I mean, you know, creatively, I, I, I mean, that's yeah. a whole other discussion. I just mean... In terms of popularity, in terms of cultural significance, I feel like this is a pretty notable film. I think people are actually going to go out to the movies or fire up the old uh, Peacock Premium if they even have that. I know. I'm. I'm just. It's weird for me to say it. I guess because like it was Halloween's always been like one of my favorite horror franchises. But sure. really, before all this, like before we had to go down and all this stuff with David Gordon Green and sure, yeah, and uh, Danny, okay, Danny McBride and all that. So anyway. Anyway, and then the other thing I was going to point out, I know we're limited for time, but I have to say, I was expecting you to do the parody at the beginning of this for the the radio thing. You know, oh, I was yeah? writing for no, you, like, you know, yeah. <laughs> you, want, you want me to do it? I mean, it's just like, bam, 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 bam. This is Jazzy Jeff, one, two, three. You all believe in Michael Myers? I'll tell you. I don't believe in anything. You think he's a man? I think he's... Canceled. There you I don't go. know. Is See, that yeah, it? that's all you need to do. All right. Here you are insulting me, insulting the film, and that's that's the whole thing you need to do. Well, you know what? Speaking of insults and cancellations and strife and animosity, I know for sure that before we can get into our serious and deep-browed review of Halloween Ends, sequel to Halloween Kills, and the thirteenth installment in the halloween franchise for some reason we we do have to address something that i know the listeners uh i know they came here to hear about because there is a huge contingent of our audience probably in the hundreds of thousands who you know they were like i don't really care about halloween ends but i need to i need to find out where john and will are um you know as as friends and creative partners because this is of course the first week marking the, the the opening shots of the pizza wars God, you're gonna bring the pizza wars into this? <laughs> well, well, I, John, it would be irresponsible not to. I mean, <laughs> John, come on, man! Like, we're already limited on time. You're gonna bring the pizza wars into this? Oh goodness gracious! Now there, there's possibly, possibly a few listeners, handful, three, maybe four, who don't know what we're talking about here, which is essentially, uh, you know, I, I went to Will the other day, and I was like. Hey, well, you know what pizza chain I really like? And he was just like, yeah, there's only one that's worth any salt. No, that's not it at all. Uh, I don't even remember how this started. But, um, <laughs> okay, so somehow you mentioned Domino's. And I was saying they needed Domino's the press pizza. after being the worst pizza chain out there. And you were like, whoa, 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 whoa. Domino's is good. And I was like, what are you talking about? He's like, I actually think Domino's is the best of the pizza chains. And I'm like, that's a the fairly ones. ridiculous thing to say. Look, What I, mean, I said was, I don't think any of the national pizza chains are very good at all. But sure, I think I Domino's is the most yeah. decent. That, that, I think, is false. I mean, you know, we were arguing between... I mean, obviously, there's a ton of pizza chains. The pizza chains, we're not going to litigate this to, you know, a mm-hmm. na- nationwide thing as far as, like, different... Uh, state or citywide uh, pizza chains, but the the big four: Pizza Hut, 
Papa John's, Little Caesars, Domino's. I would say I'd put Pizza Hut number one. You're saying that's blasphemous. That's nostalgia coming into that. I don't it's blasphemous. In fact, I put Pizza Hut at number two. I think that it, but it's by a decent margin. You're the one okay. who's like, it's blasphemous to think that Domino's is like a I functioning FDA approved business. Okay, so Domino's, uh, bad crust, lukewarm no. dough. Good, good crust, good crust. Too many, they, they hide their taste or the, the lack of taste with extra salts which dilute uh, what is supposed to be appealing about a pizza. And they have had PR problems from for years and to, to the point where so they've had pizza. to... Well, pizza at least had... The, I mean, look, I'm not going to say pizza of today is uh, the pizza of uh, the 90s or even the 2000s, where, you know, they would have booths where you could sit down as a family, as a nuclear unit, and enjoy pizza buffets and uh, personal pan pizzas that you got for reading books, literary works. They have to go to California Pizza Kitchen, like I some guess. kind of 40-year-old dad. I guess so. But, I mean, you know, I I still think Pizza Hut is uh, above and beyond better than Domino's. And I I am fine with, if this has to be a listener-wide uh, thing. Listeners have to get into this, get into the pizza That's war. That's why I'm bringing it in. We did, we did a Twitter poll. We have individually polled our friends and family, have, loved yeah. ones, even our enemies. And yep. so far, I feel like, you know, there are a lot of people in your circles who are like, it's it's all about the hut. You know, don't mm-hmm. try to out pizza the hut is what your friends say. Yeah. My friends in my bubble, my my corner of polarized <laughs> politics is, you know, the dominoes, like, that's it. Like, that's the pizza. Yeah. What are you talking about? Like, literally, will mm-hmm. you have said to me that you're like baffled by all this. Like, I am. I People I've talked to, you're like baffled. They're just like, pizza hut, really? Like, the, Over yeah, down, they got the stuffed I mean, crust and that's about it. I mean, I would it, literally if you had said any of them over Domino's, I'd be like, okay, fine, like whatever. Yeah, even well, if you had said, you know, even if you had said Little Caesars, I've been surprised, but I'm like, okay, yeah, sure, whatever. Maybe you just really love uh, even cheap Little pizza. Caesars. Come on, come on. The only thing Little Caesars got going on is that crazy bread pizza. Pizza. I anyway, feel like you've been eating too much of it. I haven't had that much Little Caesars in my life. I actually, uh, I think this year was the first time I'd had Little Caesars in probably over a decade because of so the way you eat at sleepovers. At sleepovers? Yeah, that's uh, all it was probably, about was a little Caesars. Legit, probably Pizza Hut. <laughs> My gosh. Yeah, yeah, you lived in like the bougie, you know. Bougie. I know Pittsburgh is known for its gleaming hills and mansions, but. Pizza Hut's a family joint. I guess so. I mean, I, I, I think the bougiest of these would probably be Papa John's. Yeah. And I'd that's say not so. saying it's bougie. It's just kind of, yeah. People went a little extra with the Papa John's. I don't even hate Papa John's that much. It's just that that pizza just. It, it, compared to Domino's and Pizza Hut, it's just like it always, I always felt like bloated. I was like, God, I need to like go for like a a, sure. a run or something and work this uh, off. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I've been way more uh, internally distressed by Domino's in my my years. Nonsense. I feel like you said the last time you had Domino's was like what, a couple months ago. Uh, yeah, probably in August. See, I, I don't get it. To me, like Pizza Hut, the cheese and the sauce just aren't it. Like to me, it's like the ratios aren't right. The only thing that's like is unique about their pizza to me is the the crust. But like the, the crust is kind of one note to me too. I, I get sick of it pretty fast. The Domino's, I like I like all three of the major ingredients. I think the cheese could be way better. It, it's not the best, but like the the crust on Domino's, like that garlic crust, that that tomato sauce. I mean, that's it. But you know, yeah, we disagree, I and I guess I. It, this I mean, is, this is. A conversation we'll probably have to keep it going into next week's episode too. I guess. I, I guess so. It's just going to be a recurring bit that's going to accumulate to in our 300 episode being a full out brawl of the you know various celebrity guests coming in uh, defending uh, their stance on the uh, the pizza the pizza wars or whatever we're calling them now and uh, having like a gangs in New York kind of brawl in the middle of the streets or something. I mean, that's yeah. how I'm feeling right now. I mean, I'm feeling like uh, I like I don't even know you. And wow. that scares me a little bit. Uh, we are on episode 294 of Cinemaholics, which means, yeah, we're yeah. we're just six weeks away from our 300th episode. We haven't really talked about what we're going to do for it, if we're going to do anything at all. We don't we don't usually do anything extra, right? We usually just kind of uh, mention it if we if that. Let's see. I mean, well, we had Chris Vangelista in episode 100 for Glass, and then we we had like a Q and A kind of thing, like listen listeners like ask questions or whatever uh i don't know if we did anything for episode 200 really i don't i don't uh, know if we did i think i think we might have just let it pass by um 
I guess, I'll look yeah. into that while you wax poetic about <laughs> Halloween ends, because I think it's time sure. to get into Halloween ends, wouldn't you say? I guess. I mean, I was legit wondering if you were going to turn this whole episode into a pizza conversation, but <laughs> I'm glad you're not, because I actually have some thoughts on uh, this year. I know. Here. I, I understand. I understand. Um, yeah. So episode 200 of the show, we talked about Soul, Wonder Woman 1984, and Promising Young Woman. And uh, yeah. That's that's surprising. Yeah, we didn't really do anything. We just kind of we had a holiday episode. We talked about holiday uh, stuff. I mean, it was big up. A lot of prominent films yeah. that were in that episode. Oh Check yeah, it we out. had a big we had a big off topic section here. We talked Sylvie's oh. Love, Midnight Sky, Bridgerton. Jeez, wow. we never we couldn't stop talking that day. But anyway, wow. Let's talk about Halloween ends now. If you're curious what we think of the other Halloween movies, I mean, we cover them here on the show. Uh, the first Halloween came out in 2018. Uh, the first Halloween that was like the not remake, but continuation sequel to the original Halloween ignored all the other sequels, right? Reboot. And it followed Laurie Strode as uh, Jamie Lee Curtis as like Laurie Strode as an old woman. So she doesn't die. Like she does in the sequels and all that. Yeah. I guess and, uh, yeah. technically uh, a requel, I guess that's what it was like a, a requel. Yeah. I don't know. It ha- it does have like its own. Cause I don't know if there's like a specific, a term like that. That's very specific to it over rides like a lot of stuff i guess force awakens is kind of like a requel in that sense because it overrid all of the uh all of the like expanded universe stuff so it's kind of similar you know it's a legacy sequel i guess that's like the big thing well yeah i mean it's a legacy sequel uh i think even the scream movie from this year kind of called it that and like yeah it is but yeah it it, it does something else that's kind of unique though because a lot of the legacy sequels are like jurassic park for instance um, although I guess that one, it didn't override the the sequels, but it did just kind of ignore them. But this one didn't just ignore them. It, it literally like wrote them out of canon, right? So all that to say. Yeah, uh, everything past the first one, yeah, was no longer canonical. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, the canon for Halloween was so bizarre at that wonky. point anyway. That it's like, it's not, I mean, to say that like Halloween 2 wasn't canon was just kind of like, okay, it, you know, I mean... I mean that wasn't really canon for a while. Like I didn't like HUO kind of, uh, decanonize. No. I forget actually, or were they, were Lori and Michael brother and sister in HUO? I can't even remember anymore. Uh, I don't remember if they were brother. I think they were, I think Halloween 2018 was the first one to be like, actually never mind on that okay. because they kept going with that through the, the Rob Zombie movies, those remakes. But yeah. yeah. Halloween two is where it's like, Oh yeah. Lori Strode is his little sister, um, that you didn't see and didn't know about. Um, but, Halloween 2018 kind of was like, no, forget that. It's just, let's just go back to basics. Uh, John Carpenter's first Halloween, one of the prototypical slashers, one of the first, um, certainly one of the most, like the early big success stories uh, in terms of like slasher cinema in the 1970s. And uh, at least like, like teen slasher is something that the first Halloween really helped build as like a concept. But anyway, um, it's been a long time since 1978. It's been a long time since 2018 because it was years later, like three years later that we got Halloween kills, which was set the same night as the first Halloween. And, you know, I don't remember hating Halloween kills. I remember it just being kind of like, all right, sure. You know, I I thought it was weird that they just kept it that same night. It felt a little bit like it didn't, it didn't have like as good of a hook. Like, I think what was cool about the hook of the first uh, Halloween requel was like, let's go back to Laurie Strode. Let's let's bring back Jamie Lee Curtis. It's a generational story. And then the second one, it was like, okay, we're going to do that kind of again, well, but not as good. The weird thing about these uh, two sequels, Halloween, well, there are a lot of things weird about Halloween kills and Halloween ends, but one of the weirder things is that they try to like uh, wipe their, wipe, like Halloween 2, the original Halloween 2, and everything from that point on, like, out of canon. Like, that's no longer legitimate. But they're also kind of trying to pay homage in a way, because, like, Halloween Kill, or, yeah, Halloween Kills is, like, somewhat a homage to Halloween 2 in that sense that, like, Halloween 2 also kind of picked up the same night. We yeah. also follow Laurie from the hospital. Michael's trying to, like, kill uh well in that case he's like trying to kill laurie in the hospital but in this movie he's just basically trying to kill everybody and then if he gets the laurie he gets the laurie uh but yeah and then this one in a weirder sort of way is kind of trying to pay tribute to the kind of wacky season uh, of the witch. season of the witch spirit which 
I mean, yeah, I, I'm for that. I mean, Season Witch, I think, is probably the second best Halloween movie. No. What are you saying? No. no. Of course it is. What do you, what do you no. put up? What do you put at number two? I respect Season of the Witch. Sure, I think fun. it was a great attempt. I think it was a great idea to just be like, you know what? These Halloween movies should be more like an anthology. Yeah. But I think rewatching that movie every time I try to love it, but my God, like that it's movie fun. is a disaster. It's not a disaster. <laughs> it's a fun You're... disaster. I'll give it that. But it is just a not effective movie in it's my Berg, opinion. Legend. Tom Atkins stars in it. Uh yeah, it's a good good time. There it is. He's probably a big Pizza Hut fan. No wonder you love it. Um <laughs> <laughs> Bring him so, on the show to talk about the Pizza Wars. Why not? Sure. Uh, but no, David Gordon Green's been doing these movies. And yeah, I mean, so what you're saying, I think like he has a, a clear reverence for them. And if you want to know what we think of David Gordon Green's filmography, I mean, we really covered it on the, the last episode, Halloween Kills. Like we really talked a lot about the, the different movies he's done, what we think of them. And, you know, I remember I brought a Pineapple Express and, you know. For him in this like current era, I'm glad that he's kind of finishing this Halloween stuff. Like, do you do you think it's over without giving anything away? I mean, th- well, it's got to be right. Like, they got to take a break. It, it's just like this movie takes place what like four years later, even though we got the last movie a year ago, and then just uh, uh, yeah. was it four years? I mean, I thought well, we pick up at 2019, and then I guess like a year later in the movie they say that they they say that it's uh, the voiceover narration says it's been four oh, years yeah. since that night. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You're right. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the funny thing about this film, as, as if we're talking about David Gordon Green's filmography, is that this weirdly fits more in line with kind of his first like four films, like in terms of like George Washington, all the real girls, Undertow, and like Snow Angels, having you know a focus on a sort of like broken character in a broken town, trying to kind of reconcile with like their like who they are, trying to figure out. Like, can they kind of be someone outside of who they grew up to be, you know, kind of dealing with that nature versus nurture sort of thing again? Certainly, like with Snow Angels, it's it, it does kind of weirdly feel like a uh, a leap from that kind of era of Green's filmography. But, mm-hmm. I mean, I think what's throwing some people off about this movie is that it takes some big swings in the film that they would least expect them to take those big swings. Like, you kind of expect how he ends to play it safe in a way like you expect okay all the stakes are laid out you know the chips are on sure. the table now it's time for michael and laurie to dish it out you know it's been years in the making they're just going to kind of have like a big brawl and that's like the, how the trailers were promoting the movie and all this stuff and instead we get something a little bit more i guess contemplative but also something kind of silly and something kind of supernatural and kind of um like you know almost sort of like a parasocial kind of thing too with mm-hmm. like your characters well, it's, sort it's of dealing more like with, a psychological slasher right yeah and, and it's like i don't know i mean i can definitely see why it's turning some people off i i think of all the three films this is the one that intrigues me the most i'm not saying it's the best of the three but i think it's the one maybe because my expectations were lowered or maybe because i kind of just expected something kind of basic and and kind of uh, short focus that this one actually kind of surprised me and what it was trying to do. But sure. yeah, I don't know. It's, it's, it's what I've been mulling about in a way that I, I wasn't expecting. I'll, I'll be honest. I still don't know how I fully feel about it because I think I was in the same boat as you. I, my expectations were rock bottom for this. And, you know, I think you saw it in the theater, right? I saw it on Peacock and I saw I, it uh, in Dolby. Sure. Okay. You know, that's the way to see it. I mean, I just didn't have the time, but for me, I know, like, just watching it on Peacock, I was a little bit like, huh, like, they really are doing something a little bit different here. I mean, I don't I don't want to gloss over sort of how Green, you know, to what you're saying, he didn't just direct, but he also wrote those first four films you mentioned. And, you know, his big career pivot was when he started doing more, you know, broad comedy stuff with, like, Pineapple Express and the setter and all that. But he wasn't writing those movies. He wasn't a producer on those movies. But then, you know, he, I think Prince Avalanche was like the one exception in that like era for him, right? But then he comes back like after, uh, you know, a, not a hiatus really, because he did, uh, I think he did, he did do Stronger right before the uh, Halloween well, 2018. So he's, he's been consistently working. But like saying, Halloween felt like a big sort of return for the guys, like a, you know, I don't know, a bigger director than I think, because Stronger had a big marketing thing pushed behind it, but not with him as director, I don't remember. 
I mean, there was that weird, yeah, like you're talking about, like there's that phase where he did like, um, yeah, obviously Prince Avalanche, but also Manglehorn with uh, Al Pacino, and he did Joe yeah. with Nicolas Cage, and then people, I, I even forgot about uh, Art Brand is Crisis with Santa. Yeah, Bullock. I think we mentioned that last last year. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, yeah, like like I, I would say at least like. Manglehorn is kind of underrated. Joe, I think, is actually a pretty good film. So is Prince Avalanche, and I, I haven't like seen Stronger. Joe. Joe's good. Um, yeah, that's one. Of, that's one of the Nicolas Cage movies that I, I missed. Yeah, but yeah, he's always uh, been. He, he's always been a guy. I think. I think what Hollywood likes about him is that he brings sort of an indie appeal to mainstream movies. Like it just seems like he's able to take these movies and make them a little bit like have that sort of like independent, you know, filmmaker cred attached uh, to them. Um, in some ways, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I think that's certainly a case with like Pineapple Express. He kind of gave it like a shagginess and appealing sort of way, like kind of a lived in quality. Exactly. That that made like kind of like the the heightened elements of it feel a little bit more palatable and kind of agreeable in a way that like made it appealing. But like, I don't I mean, like Your Highness is a pretty high concept movie uh, in more ways than one, of course. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I wouldn't say that that's like an indie aesthetic at all. Like, I think that's him like swinging for the fences in a way that's that true. That's true. Was surprising. But then, yeah, I, I guess like the sitter is like kind of sort of, I don't know. I mean, that's like a pretty comes, broad studio comedy. So I don't is. know. It comes in little ways. Like I think Halloween kills didn't really have that sort of stamp, but it did have, I remember one thing about Halloween kills is like, well, let's go back to the 1970s. It had those flashbacks. It felt like he was in more of a zone with those scenes. And they didn't mesh well, I don't think, with like, okay, now we got to bring back the the kids that were being babysat. And, you know, they have to, like, do all this commentary on them, you know, having this big riot, you know, as they, like, storm the cap, uh, sorry, the hospital, um, you know. Yeah. I remember that being a whole thing, even though they filmed the movie, like, before that, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And mm-hmm. anyway... I think what works about Halloween ends is they're like, all right, let's just let's just do a reset, you know, pick up a few years later. I think that was the right call. Michael Myers, not in this nearly as much. And I think that was my biggest thing with Halloween Kills was it was way too repetitive. I mean, all it really was was like Michael Myers. He goes from house to house. He just kills yeah. a bunch of people in, in decreasingly less interesting and imaginative ways. And this one, I think the the appeal is like okay, let's, let's bring in a new character. Let's bring in like a different perspective. Let's uh, try to bring in different psychological conflicts in here. So we have more conflicts between Laurie Strode and her granddaughter. Um, let me look up because uh, the characters names are uh, actually leaving me. Allison, Allison played by Andy Matichak. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, she, she was in the last one that basically yeah. everybody else in their family is dead, you know, like, sure. you know, her dad, her mom, um, her friends, they, they all died I mean- in like the previous movies. I'm shocked that Haddonfield has like more than 25 residents living there at this point. Like, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, they, they even address that too. They're like, well, why don't you move? And she's like, all my memories are here. And I was just like, well, yeah, that's the point. Like you probably want to maybe uh, also, I appreciate that you're wearing your I mean, Suspiria uh, t-shirt for yeah. this recording. Uh, yeah. Well, Respect. I mean, you know, she got that book deal and it's like, well, you know, I gotta, I gotta have, you know, sharp memory of these things. So she's got to kind of keep it. There you, you know, go. There you go. Yeah. But yeah, the plot here this time is that, you know, Michael Myers, he vanished and the characters have effectively kind of moved on. They, they just sort of have like an acceptance or reticence to it. I actually think there's something kind of interesting about where they are, where they're just like, yeah, he's probably out there. He might get us eventually, but like, is there any reason to obsess over it? No, thanks. Let's just kind of like live our lives. It, that kind of hit me. That kind of was like that rang true. That kind well, of, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the stuff I was expecting from 2018, like kind of living with your trauma and kind of trying to like wrestle with these very sort of personal things that people don't really understand. Mm-hmm. And then obviously you have like the, the concept of like the media kind of twisting the image in a certain way. And it's personally affecting uh, Lori's like social standing and like how she is perceived in this kind of small town that obviously, like we said, she's chosen to live in and not move away from. Uh, and I don't know, I mean, like, I feel like all these movies, all three of them have some pretty interesting ideas for the franchise. I think where I kind of, uh, push back is just like the execution kind of sometimes Mars, what I think are some, you know, kind of thoughtful and intriguing ways to tackle this, you know, longstanding franchise. And like, I mean, as a trilogy, they're all sort of different movies, even though they have like 
three or four core returning characters like they're all totally kind of weirdly kind of in the vein of like like this, these new star wars movies like the they're not really cohesive as a trilogy they kind of feel like they're kind of combating yeah. each other in some ways but the, the difference Even is that they, they're they all, all had these movies all have the same filmmaker yeah so i mean writer, that's what's yeah. fascinating is that they yeah. all have the same filmmaker but they all kind of seem like they're trying to be different things with the same kind of core characters and i don't know it's it's kind of fascinating in, in terms of like reflecting on them but like uh i i just kind of wish they were better at what they were trying to do <laughs> uh to put it more bluntly <laughs> sure i i agree with that and uh yeah it makes me curious what uh david gordon green's you know take on the exorcist is going to be right because i wonder you know <laughs> is that going to be kind of a similar uh you know departure that i know he he co-wrote that one but yeah so in terms of this movie i mean i think i think where i struggle with it the basic setup is that we kind of have this new character come in, uh, really good, really effective cold open, I think, where uh, we have yeah. uh, Rohan Campbell, uh, who, you know, we saw him in stuff like uh, Stranger Things, uh, I think like so. the third season. And uh, he was in uh, he was in that Hardy Boys adaptation. I didn't watch it, but he played uh, one of the Hardy Boys. But he, he's been in a few things like he he's kind of, you know. A little recognizable at this point, but he plays this like babysitter who is like sort of, you know, cast as like a, he becomes like an outcast in Haddonfield, which is not great. And, you know, all years come by and, you know, he we, we kind of follow him as this like kind of uh, down on his luck, very kind of like sad sack character. And the movie kind of whips up this really bizarre and hasty and awkward and kind of off putting and almost a charming way romance between him and Allison. Where I'm watching it and I'm just like, this is this this clearly isn't like supposed to, I'm not supposed to be taking this seriously, right? Like these two characters, like it's weird. Like and and I I had my finger on it. Um and it it felt like something where they were sort of like, Well, what if, you know, instead of Michael Myers like in one night just killing a bunch of people, it was more about this guy's psychological breakdown. And at eventually at a point I messaged you, I was watching it, and I was just like this is, I think, Raylo fan fiction, isn't it? This is like uh, I fell in love with a villain. This sure. is sort of like what if you fell in love? Like, someone even says at one point, it's like, what if you fall in love with Michael Myers? And I, mean, I mm-hmm. don't think I like that. I don't think it works. But what do you, I mean, what do you to say? Well, I was gonna say, I mean, it's pretty apparent that they're trying to pay homage to Wong Kar Wai's Fallen Angels, especially with, like all the motorcycle shots and stuff like that. Sure. And I think that's like the the catalyst here is it's kind of like looking at these two characters and even Laurie to some extent, like the idea of people who have been defined not only personally, but in their social standings by these horrible things that have happened and like how do they go from there? Like, can they kind of take authority on their story and can they really uh, be the best version of themselves when everyone expects them and sees them to be one thing? And then in the case of like Michael Myers, like is Michael Myers the man or is he the mask in this case? Like, is he someone who obviously like, I mean, as we see Michael before, he's been the pure uh, embodiment of evil. Like we've really not known much about who Michael is and how he's been defined. And something that I find kind of interesting about Rob Zombie's uh, remake is that he, he kind of wants to explore more about like, what made Michael Michael? And I think some people have pushed back against that. It's like, I don't, that's not what they want, or they think that's uh, sacrilegious to like what the franchise is. But I don't know. I find that stuff to be sort of interesting. And I, you know, especially like in this kind of true crime era and like exploring like people like, well, what makes them who they are? Like, what, what makes them do these heinous and horrible things? I don't know. I find that interesting with Corey's character, but it seems like that's kind of the divide as far as like fan reactions, which have been pretty divisive. And that some people really seem to be against this movie and some people are kind of walking out of it surprisingly kind of for it. I think it kind of comes down to where you stand on Corey as a character. Yeah, I think I think where I land at this point is it's kind of the same thing with Season of the Witch. I respect it. I respect that it is doing something a little bit different. And it's, you know, instead of it being the same emotional tug line as like the other movies where it's just like, we don't like Michael Myers, get rid of Michael Myers. It's, it's trying to be a little bit like, you know, do you like this character? You know, is he bad though? Should you, you know, can we fix him? You know? And uh, you know, the trauma that like sort of bleeds out into him and to everybody else. But I think for me, that's an execution thing. I think 
it's promise it has like a promising first start which is some like clumsy missteps i think again i think you really gotta nail the romance and the romance to me is not believable it's really weird i guess that's what they wanted because they don't want it to be like too they don't want it to be a nice romance it's haddonfield this is probably how it is all the time but uh, I don't know. I just think this movie just has the ru- the edges are just a little bit too rough. I think that it's just a little bit too awkward, and I c- I couldn't get sucked in. And it's not the same sort of like I could I haven't been able to get sucked into any of these movies. Every time I'm watching, yeah, it's 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 just like I I know that I'm watching a Halloween movie the entire time. I've never swept up in it. I'm not scared. Like I'm not the atmosphere of it's not working on me. I'm not sort of like feeling all chilly. Like oh no, is Michael Myers going to get me boogeyman stuff? And so if it can't do that, okay, then at least get me to, you know, like you're saying, be a little bit more contemplative, like think about this stuff, maybe be a little bit more creeped out on an intellectual level and not doing that either. Like, it's just, kind of, I don't know. I, by the time I got to the end, I was like, okay, sure. Yes. Sure. I do agree as far as the ending. I'm kind of like, I, and then it should be like this big triumphant, like, yes moment. And I'm kind of just like, yeah, sure. Fine. <laughs> like, it doesn't I guess. build very well because by the time uh, we get to the ending i literally yeah. was just like oh is this is this the third act and then like i literally tapped right. to see how much time i was like oh yeah okay yeah this is the end like that's really like what it felt like watching it did not feel like everything was building up to this and so it's like it's kind of like a double-edged sword of trying to re rejig like what the movie is like or what the main conflict is is it michael and Lori, or is it you know this dude Corey and allison i don't know do they really connect now? Nah, I guess a little bit. Yeah. I mean, one question I had uh, after the film, and I wanted to ask you about this is, do you think as a trilogy, do you think this would have worked better if they had switched broadly speaking, kind of the order between Halloween ends and Halloween kills like the events of Halloween ends is actually kind of more in the middle chapter. And then um, they kind of have like the events that happen in Halloween ends in or how it kills in Halloween ends. I was, you know what, I was thinking, but in a, a little different. I was thinking, like, you don't do Halloween Kills at all. And this felt like a better sequel to the 2018 movie, right? Whereas, like, in that movie, like, instead I, of... I agree. Like, like, let, let, like, if a mom dies in Halloween 2018 instead of Halloween Kills, where you just sort of, like combine maybe you know the main plot points of those two movies instead of dragging it out to two movies and then go to this yeah to me it would have felt like a natural continuation but no i mean at this point we spend so much time in halloween kills dwelling on like michael myers and his psychology and his history and his past and like to what end you know the, the characters don't use it to win the day like it, it doesn't come in handy you know Lori's like struggle with michael and trying to overcome her trauma has nothing to do with really anything that was explored in halloween kills uh, that i can recall she spends most of that movie in a hospital bed yeah it's just it, it's just to me it feels like a random detour that we don't need because the ending of halloween kills is the same as halloween 2018 they think they got him they didn't you know yeah also and that's what the heck and Halloween ends with the, I'm not going to say specifically, but what right. they're doing with Michael Myers, like what he's been doing all this time. Come on. What? That's uh, ridiculous. I don't know. I don't know. But um, I do kind of wonder like if this is like a push back between what Gordon Green and company want to do and what Universal and Blumhouse expects the film to be. And subsequently, like what audience want from this franchise, because it does seem like as we were kind of alluding to David Gordon Green seems to be more interested in the idea as like Haddonfield as this sort of like dysfunctional city that's been permanently kind of scarred and eroded from these horrific events that happened 40 years ago. Yeah, people don't uh, act like normal human beings in this right. town. Everybody knows all the true crime, you know, right. gossip. You know, like this, this poor quarry kid can't walk around without people being like, oh, you're that guy from, not, you know, who did this specific thing. Everybody knows about it. And it, it kind of makes sense within the rules yeah. of this, you know, town. But it is Which, still weird. Yeah. Because I think, I mean, I think I even said this in our original Halloween review. Like, I think it would have made more sense if they had just named this franchise, this like new series of films, like Haddonfield, like Haddonfield is the focus rather than just like Halloween itself and yeah. Michael Myers. Haddonfield is like a character, right? right. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you want to quote, uh, what was that movie? Uh, they came together. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that's the stuff that I find most intriguing. I think that's the stuff that 
Gordon Green's most interested in as far as making these films. I guess the problem for me in that approach is that I find most of the characters in Haddonfield to be That's what I was about to say. Extremely like, as as said that, I was like, well, hold on. Right. <laughs> it's like, we got to talk about those bully characters where they just really feel like comedy sketches. You know, like literally like it, like well, we're playing Dungeons and Dragons with like Gen Z kids. It's like, sure. here's your character sheet. You're the jock who is mean. <laughs> like, yeah. okay. I mean, mm-hmm. The joke I made to you is that like they watch TikTok videos and just are like, oh, okay, so this is like what Gen Z is like now. Like they just kind yeah, of yeah. put them all together, like in a way that like a marketing, like like a Sears commercial is just like, this is what teens look like today. This is like, like if they- we were watching The Boys, like this is kind of like how they would sort of put together like a focus group or something so. of like teenagers. Uh, but I mean, I think that's, that's also kind of fascinating to me that like the bullies aren't like like what they would be today wouldn't be, I guess in this movie's view, like what they would have been 40 years ago. It's not like the jock and sure. the, you know, like the hot babe or whatever. It's just like, you know, some band weave and like his miscellaneous but what rings friends. untrue about it. Yeah. But what rings the two untrue is that like the identity of them is certainly updated, but their personalities are still right. 80s movie archetypes. Confusing. So yeah. it's so weird. <laughs> it's like, well, you can't just yeah. update one thing and leave the other thing. And, yeah. I mean, that's, I think, kind of the central problem I've had with all these movies, though, is that it kind of feels like they're like a mishmash of different things. Like, it's like they're trying to expand the franchise, but also kind of continue the legacy and kind of make a, you know, stereotypical kind of how we movie, but also trying to do something a little bit more thoughtful and in-depth. And it seems like they're either like prevented from doing something more sort of idiosyncratic or they're like you know, just not really confident enough to like want to yeah, push yeah. that far. And I think this is the first one where it feels like they feel more confident doing something like that, which is like I said, kind of strange because you expect that to not be the case with a third installment. You expect like, that's the one where they kind of play it safe. Like the middle segments, the one where they kind of play into like, you know, maybe them trying to do something that's a little bit more uh, in their interest and kind of get it out of their system. Yeah, but, no, I mean, it's just so yeah. funny to me, though, because he's like, a, you know, he's a big dude and he's like, what, in his mid 20s? Corey? Like, yeah, Corey. And these like dweeby, like high school losers are able to like push him around and stuff. And I'm just like, I don't know. I feel like the movie needs to do a better job of explaining like why he's not like able to just shrug them off, I guess, because like they're not intimidating at all. Like, even the main jock guy, he's just kind of like a skinny 16 year old looking dude. But right. like, they're like literally like you know pushing him down to the ground and like this is Rohan Campbell <laughs> like he could right. easily like deck them what are we doing here yeah it's I mean, funny I, though at least at least it's like a funny visual right. I mean do you think Corey was supposed to be like a high schooler initially but then like they wanted to have the romance with him and Corey's granddaughter and like well we can't like like we've already set up that her granddaughter's like in her 20s so we can't just like have her dating like a high schooler that'd be weird so right. they're it like well it would have worked a lot better if like the bullies had been around his age you know and they had been a little bit more of like i i, I mean closer like, to uh, like him like these like and, burnouts who like yeah townies like and, that to me would be right. more interesting but you know i will i'll give you know what i, I want to give the movie a little bit of praise here though one thing that i do like about it is that i do think the atmosphere is a bit better there, there are moments in it where I'm a little bit more of like, it's off-putting in a, an effective way. I think Allison is the most interesting she's been in these movies for me. I think like the first two, I just, every time she's on screen, I just, I thought she was just a bit of a blank slate. Like I, I didn't really get sort of her deal. Like she just wasn't that interesting of a final girl. And she was always in Laurie Strode's shadow, you know? In this movie, I feel like she, I think because they allow these characters to have like an interesting and relevant conflict that makes sense and is understandable, and that she's a bit older, I, I feel like she just kind of comes into her own a little bit in this. Like the way she reacts to things, like she's a little, I mean, she does dumb stuff in this movie. Uh, don't get me wrong, but it, I don't know, in, in ways that I thought were kind of interesting at least. So I thought this was a, a better movie for her at least, you know? Yeah, I mean, something I I agree with you about the atmosphere uh, as well, as well as, you know, with Allison's character. But uh, a thing I appreciated, at least, was that uh, I feel like in the pre- previous two movies, like I in all these movies, I guess the, the characters of Haddonfield, the side characters have been incredibly annoying. <laughs> and it's just like you're just kind of <laughs> waiting for them to die. Uh, yeah, yeah. And I feel like 
at least with like 2018, like you're supposed to like some of the characters. And I felt like it was just kind of like annoying where it's like, I don't care about any, just kill them off. I don't care. And then like they went overkill in more ways than one with the Halloween kills where it's just like, you yeah, know, yeah. everyone's just like a lamp to the slaughter to the point where, like you said, it gets kind of monotonous where it's just like, okay. Like I like that Michael in that movie is a sort of brute. Like he is just pure mean evil. But it's also yeah. like it gets kind of tedious if it's like your whole movie. Yeah, he even he looks bored at this point. You know, yeah, just it's like, like I, stab, stab, stab. You know, slice, slice, slice. Yeah. What's the point of it? Uh, also, yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, but this one I think it's a good balance of like, you know, you got like these a hole people and they die in horrific ways. But you're kind of excited because it's like, yeah, like they suck, and we've established enough that they suck. But you know, they're <laughs> going to get their comeuppance, and it's like they're going to get in these very brutal, over the top sort of ways. And yeah, in that respect, I wasn't disappointed. Sure. I know some people have been saying this is the best one of the trilogy, uh, this new trilogy. And I, I don't agree, but I, I mean, not in a contentious way. It's just like, I, yeah, I could see people being like, yeah, I like this one uh, more than the other two. I think that it's such like, for me, it's a coin toss. I don't know how I'll feel about this. And maybe a year, maybe a year I'll be like, yeah, you know what? If I was going to rewatch one, it would probably be this one. Uh, maybe uh, probably because I'm so sick of Michael Myers. I want to watch the one with the least amount of Michael Myers in it, but I don't know how other people will feel. Uh, I, I am curious if they'll ever come back to this franchise uh, in the near future, like how they would, how they would do it. You know, I feel like they've just, they've cut up this franchise every which way. It's like, what else can you do? You've done the Rob Zombie sort of thing. You've done yeah. the more surreal anthology stuff. You've done HDO. You know, you've, they've done so much with Michael Myers and all this. It's just like, where do you give it a rest? I hope. I, I'm glad that original horror has been doing pretty well. I mean, horror in general, this has been a really good year for horror. Uh, if you're a horror film or you're being released by Paramount, you have a good chance of being okay <laughs> yeah. uh, in this uh, box office environment. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, you know, we, we just talked about Smile, Smile a couple weeks ago, and I mean, it's, it's doing super well. Yeah people, yeah, people are responding well to original horror, like between that and like Black Phone. So I... I, I'm I'm always going to be more interested in the original stuff and maybe just leaving Halloween to sort of relax and rest, you know, go back into its little cave and don't come out for a while, please. With the sewer rats and all that. Um, <laughs> I will say, uh, to answer your initial question, is this the end for Halloween, as the title suggests? I think for Jamie Lee Curtis, absolutely. I think for John Carpenter, pretty much creatively. Um, yeah. I think for Universal, I'd give them five years. Like, they'll probably, <laughs> like, reboot in some way. I don't know. I was talking about with my friend Tyler, and shout out to him, because he came up with an idea that I could certainly see being plausible, which is that they make a prequel with Loomis, and just kind of exploring, like, him coming to terms with, you know, realizing that he's dealing with a true psychopath, and that he can't really prevent what's set to come. He's trying to warn everybody, and obviously, <laughs> it's doomed to fail. I don't know if that would work as a film, but at least it's kind of interesting as, like, a you know, kind of like as a pre- as a follow up to these films. It's like it's interesting. It, it, you know what I yeah. would do though, I, I, because I've never liked Loomis that much. But I, I think that's kind of interesting. Like maybe some kind of thing focusing on the mental institution. But I would do like let's say in five to ten years, I would do a sort of series, and to what you were saying before, just call it Haddonfield. And, you know, no Michael Myers, but like maybe sort of like lean into how kind of like in Joker, you know, it, it, his trauma has sort of like bled into copycats and like other sort of like evil characters coming about and sort of like the, the survivors of this town, like Laurie Strode is gone at this point. Um, but you sort of follow new characters who are trying to like help redeem this town, which has just sort of like it's rotting from within, you know, give it give it the Gotham treatment, essentially, but not be a prequel. I think that could be interesting. I don't know how much people would want to see it because it wouldn't have Michael Myers. In it. <laughs> Maybe you'd have to tease Michael Myers or something at the end or have like a new Michael Myers. I don't know. But I mean, sure, you, you could do you could do all kinds of things like that and it'd be good. But the thing is, like, I don't think it would be nearly as like successful because I think what people come to this franchise for is Michael Myers with a knife and the song those two things and Laurie Strode. I mean, that first movie, it remains a kind of classic in its efficiency and simplicity. Like it was, you know, if not the first one of the first horror movies to bring the terror to suburbs. And it just like, it made the mundane terrifying. And that was always the appeal of these things. And by expanding upon them and branching them out and like trying to make them a little bit more dense and thematic, you're kind of shooting yourself in the foot in some ways. Like I think, for people like us, critically, it's more interesting to see a movie like Halloween Ends because it's like, okay, you're not just doing the the most simplistic thing you could do. 
you're doing something a little bit more involved, something a little bit more true to the filmmakers previous films. But at the same time, is that kind of, you know, counterintuitive because, you know, if, if this is supposed to be the last one, you kind of want to bring it back home, you know, uh, you know, to what made this franchise so effective, you would think they would kind of do something simplistic and kind of, uh, in house like that original film. And yeah, I don't know. It's like this weird thing where it's like, I don't want like another remake of the original film. Cause like we've got exactly. that, but at the same time, it's just like, I don't know. Like it's just really fascinating to me that this is the last, supposedly the last one that they, they this is the one where they really kind of went out with their kind of kookiest ideas. They put ends in the title. Like yeah. that tells me something. So that means right. that we got at least three years <laughs> until the next one. All right. Well, Halloween ends. It's not playing in theaters. You can also stream it on Peacock. I think if you're doing like the paid tier, you can uh, you can Peacock watch it there. Premium, I believe it's called. I, I forget what it's called, but yeah, something like that. It, I think it's like you, I think you have to do the at least like the first tier paying. I think it's like five dollars a month or something like that. Because I know they have an ad tier that's I believe free. I forget, but uh, <laughs> I was able to watch it, and I think I'm on the lowest tier. But anyway. Okay. It is doing well at the box office. Cost about twenty to thirty million to make. It is already grossed internationally almost sixty million uh, as we record this on a Monday. So it is out now. Let's play the Rotten Tomatoes game. We have one hundred and sixty reviews counted, and uh, you know what? I'll plug real quick because soon it will be one sixty one because we have young folks. Uh, we have our review by Tyler Carlson coming out today, and so it'll be on there. And uh, if you are curious about like you know young folks and stuff like that, we we did launch a new podcast yeah. uh, called film section. And it just came out last week. It's actually doing really well. We're nice. really excited about it. Uh, but basically our reviews on the young folks are being produced uh, in an audio forum and you can catch all of those on the film section podcast. So like, if you like to, you know, listen to reviews instead of reading them, uh, you can find that stuff. So Tyler Collison's review will be out. Will your review of Amsterdam is out right now. It's our biggest episode yet out of like, I think five that we've released in the last oh, week. So, talk. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, you can find that. You can find my review of Till, the Emmett Till uh, bio- biopic. Uh, you can find the uh, my review tar. of Tar. Yeah, yeah. you can find Adonis Gonzalez's review of Lyle Lyle Crocodile. Soon Halloween ends. We have a few more coming out in the next yeah. couple of days. So check out Film Section. Uh, very highly recommend that. Maybe we'll talk about more next week <laughs> instead of like at the bottom of the show. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, very excited about that. Uh, did Tyler, without giving too much weight, did he like the film? I haven't finished editing it. Oh. Uh, so I'll, I'll let you know off offline. Uh, um, yeah, yeah. I don't want to okay. give it away too, but all right. So, uh, back to Halloween ends, Rotten Tomatoes, 160 reviews counted. Well, actually, I'm assuming you didn't get the score spoiled for you. Hope not. This is, this is an no. interesting one. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, I'm very, very curious about this one because okay. as I said, guess? reactions are all over the map, uh, yeah. you know, in my day to day life, not even critically. Uh, so, I mean, both these are going to be kind of shots in the dark or a nav or a knife stab in the dark, uh, rather. (laughs) Um, uh, let's see. So I'm going to say for critic score, I'm going to guess 54%. It's not 54. You're a bit off, but you know, I, I don't blame you. It's a weird one. It's a weird one. Do you think it's higher or lower? I'm going to guess lower but not like a ton like maybe like 49% it is 40% um okay. so it is lower it, it, it yeah you're off by about 14 but again it's like you're in the zone um 40% okay. i feel like it's lower than it deserves you know i i think it's too interesting to be less than 50% yeah. that's me that's me what about uh, audience score audience score yeah this could be a anything. thousand plus verified ratings literally anything could be uh the audience score for this one i feel like i've, I've seen people say that this is one of the worst movies they've ever seen horror or otherwise i've seen some people call this movie a masterpiece i don't know what people wow. feel about this audience wise uh i'm gonna say because my audience didn't really seem super jazzed by it like a couple laughs i think i was laughing the most out of anybody in this in this theater <laughs> okay i did I uh i'm gonna say 62 percent that's not too far off. Uh, it's actually your your fifty four was closer. Uh, it's fifty seven percent audience score. Okay, very fascinating. Yeah. Huh. Uh, also, we do have a cinema score. What's your guess for a cinema score? Uh, C plus. 
Spot on. Yeah, it's a C plus cinema score. That's about what I would have guessed. I was like, yeah, to me, it feels like a C plus or B minus. I think people are sick of the franchise at this point, but they're not like F, obviously. Cause, well, you know. I mean, I was guessing low because it seems like cinema score is not even based so much on quality, but rather like audience expectations versus like what they're getting. Sure. It seems like the first half of this, they're just, you know, those audiences of Vegas are just like, what's going on? Who's Corey? <laughs> yeah, exactly, I don't, exactly. Who is this guy? I don't know what's going on. He's Michael now. And then it's like, you know, obviously as the movie goes along, it, it gets closer to what they probably thought the movie was. So they were like, eh, ending redeems it. But what <laughs> that Corey stuff, I don't get it. Uh, so that's what I imagine they were like. So yeah, C plus. All right. And uh, last on Letterboxd, our last one, we have 71,000 watches. Pretty high. That's a lot for Letterboxd. Uh, what do you think the average rating is at this point? Uh, 2.8? Yeah, not too far off. 2.4. So, okay. yeah. A lot of two and a half stars. I think uh, that's a, probably about what I would have given in on Letterboxd. But, you know, my, my timeline, I'm seeing one and a half to two to three. Like, it's it's all over the map. I don't see anything much higher except for, like, I see one person gave it four stars, which I think is pretty fun. But, um, all right. That'll do it for this week's episode of Cinemaholics. Thanks so much for listening. Uh, send us an email if you'd like to hit us up. Cinemaholicspodcast at gmail.com. Love to hear from you. Uh, but yeah, we'll see y'all back here next week. Uh, I forget what's coming out. I mean, I think Black Adam is next on our list. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, we also uh, have some big, big movies. I hope you're able to catch Tar soon. Um, 28. Uh, I, I also Banshee, the Banshees of Innie Sharon, which uh, I very much, I very much enjoyed that and Till okay. and Tar. I'm nice. so excited for you to watch them because I want to talk about them on the show. But yeah. yeah, I'm excited for, yeah. I mean, definitely stuff coming out. those three. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of stuff coming up. This fall, I'm excited about uh, Black Adam, not so much, but you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I think it's just because mentally I'm not prepared for the hierarchy of the DC change to whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I forget the whatever that the stupid phrase is, but um, I will say of all of those movies, Tar is probably my favorite. But I think the sure. movie that I think I, I want you to watch the most. I don't know if you'll love it or anything, but. I cannot wait to talk to you about the Banshees of Inishir. Okay, I that cannot wait. Whether you love it or hate it, I think that that's going to be a really fun one. Uh, I mean, that's. <laughs> I mean, that just sounds like the movie about the Pizza Wars. Like, <laughs> no, I it really does. I don't know you. how much you know about it, but like, literally, I've had nothing but that thought. Literally, uh, while yeah. watching the movie, I was just like, I cannot wait to Cinemaholics this thing. <laughs> um, but all right, we'll yeah. see you on the next one from the Internet, California. I'm John Negroni. And from Pennsylvania, I'm Washington. See you next time.